So we're going to continue this morning in the series Jesus Said. Uh, this morning's going to be just a little bit different in my approach here because uh, this, as I wrote this, it, it felt more like a devotion uh, than, a, than a sermon. So however you want to take it, uh, but we're going to talk about gratitude. A few years ago, quite a few years ago, uh, I decided I would get on Facebook. I, I was beginning to have a, a singing ministry of sorts back in Tulsa, and I wanted to promote it, and so I thought maybe Facebook would be a good place to, to, vote it, to uh, promote it. And uh, I wanted to set up a business page uh, with that. And I got started on it, and then I got away from it. And when I came back to it and tried to finish it, I don't know what I did wrong, but I ended up with a personal page instead of a business page. So I said, okay, uh, <clears throat> I didn't keep it very long. Uh, I just decided it was such a waste of time. And uh, I know I, I got really tired of, of people getting on there and... Uh, talking about having hot dogs for dinner and what they were washing and, you know, all, all the piddly things they were doing during their day, they had to put it all on Facebook, and I'm thinking, do I really care? <laughs> uh, anyway, well, a few weeks, a few months ago, uh, Colleen decided that I needed to have a Facebook page. And so she's created one for both of us, both of our names are on it. Uh, however, she kept her Facebook page, and she pretty much stays there, and this one pretty much became mine. <laughs> so, uh, and I have to tell you, I have a hate-love relationship with Facebook. There are things about it that I love, and there are things about it that I hate. Uh, I really, really don't like it when people get on there and try to guilt me or shame me into posting what they've posted or liking what they've said. Uh, you know, don't, sh don't try to shame me. Just put it on there, and if I want to do something with it, I will. Don't try to make me feel bad if I don't. Uh, and usually when they do that, I don't. <laughs> uh, and then the other thing I hate uh, is... Uh, people who will uh, post uh, Christian sayings or, or verses of scripture or, or things like this, and then they'll turn around and post something that is just filled with vulgarity. Uh, you know, uh, rude, crude, lewd stuff that uh, I guess they think is funny. Uh, however, I am not at all amused. And I usually hide those posts because I don't want people to get in on my uh, timeline and thinking that I, I appreciate this. Anyway, there are things about it, though, that I really like. And one of those things is uh, I get to see updated pictures of my kids, the grandkids, the great-grandkids, and I just love that. I love seeing those pictures. I love hearing about what they're doing. Uh, my, my daughters live a long way away from me. One lives in Virginia, one lives in Minnesota. 
Uh, I don't get to see them very often. I have grandkids that are growing up, and I'm not, I have one I haven't even met yet. He's a year old. Uh, hopefully, this in the May, I get to, to meet that new grandson. But uh, another thing I like on Facebook is that every now and then, they have these very touching stories. Uh, and they, they really do. They, t they touch my heart. And they have sometimes these videos of children who are getting a gift. And the child doesn't know what the gift's going to be. And I've seen two or three of these uh, different families do it. But uh, what the gift is, it's a puppy. <laughs> and I don't know, it's just the, uh, the excitement, the emotion, the thrill, the joy, the gratitude that that child displays when they get that puppy. It just touches my heart. Sometimes it, it even brings tears to my eyes. You see, there's something deeply touching about gratitude. The message this morning is about gratitude. And if you would turn with me to Luke chapter 17, I want to share with you an encounter Jesus had. And what he says in this encounter is very important. Luke 17, beginning at verse 11. While he was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back and glorified God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. In your bulletin this morning is a poem that I wrote many years ago. And I'm going to kind of use the outline of this poem to share with you this morning. That's why it's kind of more like a devotion. First stanza says, Ten lepers there were who came that day. Sad was the plight of these. For none there were who dared to care, save those of that same disease. Now you've probably heard the saying, Misery loves company. These lepers may not have loved one another's company, but they were pretty much forced to keep one another's company. Because leprosy was not just a disease, it was a stigma. In that culture, if you had it, you were an outcast, an outcast from society. The only people who would have anything to do with you were those who had the same disease you had. 
Now, maybe it would help us to understand this a little better if we knew something more about this disease. The disease basically is a bacterial disease that, in essence, rots the skin. Your skin begins to decay. And the decaying flesh has an odor. And people would know you were near even if they couldn't see you because of the odor. In Israel, leprosy was, was thought to be a punishment for sin. And so those who had it, you were not to associate with them. They were to be outcast. In fact, if someone had leprosy, they were required to call out as they approached anyone, unclean, unclean, so that everybody could scatter and get out of their way. Yet, here came ten of them, seeking Jesus, because they no doubt had heard that Jesus was a healer, and they wanted to be set free. They didn't walk up to Jesus. It says they, were, they stayed at a distance, because that's what those who had leprosy were required to do. Here they were. They were literally being eaten alive by this disease. They were called, in fact, the walking dead. Back to the poem. Ten lepers there were who came that day, each with tragic eyes where once there gleamed the hopeful ray of dreams that touched the skies. Ten lepers, unclean, there came that day, banished but to roam, for life to them was a decaying house, and no one was at home. We are not unlike these diseased men. Our disease is sin. It eats away at our soul. We have no cure for it. There is nothing we can do ourselves to cleanse ourselves. And God says that the wages of sin, the sin that eats away at our soul, the wages of sin is death, not just here and now, but for eternity. Eternal separation from God. Because of sin, we are unclean. We are outcasts from the kingdom of God. Sin separates us from God. For sin cannot come into His presence. Like the ten lepers, without healing, we are, as Paul writes, dead in our sins. We are literally the walking dead. In U.S. prisons, when a condemned man is being led from his cell to the execution chamber, as they walk down the hall, passing prisoners, passing bystanders, as they walk down the hall, the guards say, dead man walking. He's still alive, yes, but his life 
is an empty shell. Even though he lives and breathes and walks, it means nothing. For he has been, been declared a dead man. And all that is left is to make that truth a final reality in the execution chamber. The lepers were as good as dead. They lived, they breathed, but all their hopes, their dreams, their plans, their efforts, their accomplishments, their possessions, it all meant nothing. For they were the walking dead. There was no cure. Unless, unless Jesus would heal them. And so they cried out to Jesus saying, Master, have mercy on us. Ten lepers there were who came that day with need beyond their power. And ten there were who heard his voice and were healed that very hour. Jesus said that he came not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Have mercy on us, they cried. And Jesus did. He could have shunned them. He could have turned his back. Everyone else did. Everyone else avoided them. Everyone else condemned them. After all, not only were they diseased, but their disease was because of their sin, so they thought. <coughs> That's how the lepers were looked upon. But Jesus had mercy, and he healed them. The Apostle Paul wrote, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, like the lepers, we are dead in our sin. But God is merciful. And he grants us life, not just here and now, but for eternity. He grants it when we accept the sacrifice of Jesus, which paid the debt for all sin. To receive his mercy, we simply accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And like the lepers, when we accept Jesus, we are healed. Sin no longer has power over us. It can no longer eat away at our souls and bring death. We are no longer the walking dead. We are alive in Christ. Paul says you were dead in your sins. But you are alive in Christ. When we give our lives to Jesus, we are healed. Like the lepers, we were the walking dead. We had no hope. Life was empty. All our hopes and dreams and plans and accomplishments and possessions, they all would perish. Our life would mean nothing. But when we give our lives to Jesus, he heals us 
of our sin and its consequences. Our life is no longer empty, meaningless, because now we belong to the King of Kings. We belong to the Lord of Lords. We belong to the kingdom of God that lasts forever. Praise God for Jesus were the words that should have reckoned such a time. But only one returned to praise. Where are the other nine? Ten received the gift of love, not earned by any deed, but only one fell down in thanks. In vain the nine were freed. Ten lepers there were who came that day. Nine lepers turned to go, while one found healing of the soul. The nine would never know. So then, how shall we respond to the healing of our souls? We were the walking dead. Sin had power over us. It was eating our lives, eating our souls. We were the walking dead. But then we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. How shall we live our lives each day? What will the world see in us that tells them we are not the walking dead, but we are alive in Christ? Will our lives exhibit gratitude? Will we praise him for his gift of life? By proclaiming his love and mercy to the walking dead around us? Will our dreams and our hopes and our actions and our accomplishments be exclamations of gratitude for what we have been given in Christ? Will we fall down every day at his feet and give him praise that he has made us alive? The last stanza reads, O friend, are you unclean with a leprous soul? Or are you healed by the blood divine? And are you living a thankful life? Or are you among the nine? Will we live a thankful life? Or will we be in, um, among the nine? That's the question I leave you with this morning. Our Heavenly Father, we do give you praise for bringing life out of death, for saving us, for making us alive in Christ. <coughs> Father, help us to be grateful, not just thinking it mentally, but doing it with our lives. Help us, Father, to exhibit gratitude 
to show the joy, to show the thrill, to show the excitement, to show the gratitude by the way we live, by how we treat others, by displaying Christ in and through our lives. Father, may we not be those nine. May we be like the one. Help us, Father. Let us give you praise. And we ask it in your Son's precious name. Amen.